0: Today we're going to be talking about some players with discrepancies in their ADP between Dynasty and Redraft. Let's get going.
1: Chance towards the end zone and it is caught! Eight off here. Jump down inside. With the silent count. He fails out of the pocket there, and oh, Josh Haller's...
0: Hello, welcome back to the JWB Dynasty Digest, where we give you a consumable dynasty perspective. I'm your host, Skylar at the FF Buffalo. I'm joined here with the newest member of the JD- JWB team, Timmy at NNUBBS. How are you doing, Tim?
1: I'm doing well. Just got back from a, a friend's wedding in uh, Wisconsin. So it's been a, a long four or five days with the trip, but you know, it's good to be back. Good to join the team, you know, get get started, see what we can come up with with some uh good actionable information.
0: There we go. You've been home for what five minutes and you're you hopped on to, to record something. <laughs> yes, sir. We love that. Uh Tim's gonna be jumping on, it's gonna be part of a new redraft show that we have coming once the season gets rolling, where we will be every Friday or Saturday, those episodes and clips will come out. We're gonna be talking about some some uh star sit type stuff. We're gonna get the the square, scare and prayer segment going, give it its its own thing. So Looking forward to that. Uh, I want to note, rest in peace, uh, Terrestrial Takes, at least for now. Shout out to That's what's got Tim over here joining JWB full time. So yeah, it was, gonna... it was
1: it was fun working with Dushane's. I know he uh, he wanted to just kind of take a step back because I know that at some point he wants to make better content and just didn't feel like he had the time to do it at this point. So we'll see him back some at some point and he'll be making some really cool stuff
0: yeah absolutely i mean he's he's taking he's taking breaks before you know he's a great mm-hmm. guy he'll be mm-hmm. back we'll see we'll see plenty of Duchesne's coming up
1: yeah we'll uh, we'll have enough opportunity to fade him at this uh current <laughs> you anyway. yeah all
0: right well, we're gonna start i'll hit you with a quick little would you rather question all right so you said you just came from milwaukee yeah yes sir all right so i know you got a lot of roots there and i'm gonna i'm gonna hit you with a little situation you get to pick one of the two following situations You get either Giannis or Aaron Rodgers. They lose five years off their age, and they stick with Giannis with the Bucs and Rodgers with the Packers for the rest of their career. Who are you – which situation you take in? That would put Rodgers back to 33, and that would put Giannis back to 22.
1: I think I'm going to go Giannis, and the only reason is because I think Rodgers at the age of 33 had already experienced the injuries, which slowed – a lot of his game down where he wasn't running as much or being as dynamic running because when he was able to do a lot of the stuff with his legs it made his arm even better but if we were to get Giannis to go back to 22 with like the body he has now and all the stuff he, he knows and um, just improved health I think we would see some even more fantastic stuff when he hits like age 26 than we already are seeing
0: yeah that that'd be a crazy scenario just to think about like who Giannis is as a player now and that if that player was 22 years old mm-hmm. it that, that you yeah, know that would be pretty insane Although
1: worldly stuff because he'd fix his shot he you know he'd really develop a good jumper he'd have all the time to do it so yeah. well, we it see too.
0: we see how how much different aspects of game the shooting could has come in the last five years like i could only imagine if he had five more to mm-hmm. really ramp up into his prime
1: so. when he actually came into the league he had a decent jump shot and jason kidd actually changed his shooting um, motion, so I think there was some regression, as we might call it. Yeah, in his well, the shooting, hit,
0: the, the hitch he had in the shot when he came in was pretty, pretty gross. So mm-hmm. it's probably mm-hmm. for the better. It's looked, a, it looks a lot better as is. But we'll get started in here. And today we're going to be talking about players who have, you know, large ADP discrepancies between dynasty redraft. We're going to kind of give our opinion on whether or not like it's justified or if the correction is too far. You know. So the first player we're going to hop into, we're going to talk about Derek Henry. Derek Henry was a top five running back in both 2019 and 2020. And he was well on pace to do it again last year for the injury he picked up mid season. Um, so he is going as the running back 15 in dynasty startup ADP via uh, DLF and on underdog best ball ADP. He is running back four for redraft. So a pretty, pretty big difference here. We're talking this between round five and round one. So, uh, Give us your, give us your first thoughts on, on Derek Henry here, Tim.
1: Well, I, I don't think the ADP is wrong at RB 15. I do, I do believe that he could be, he could go as high as like RB five, like based on preference, based on how someone is attacking the draft, if they're looking to win now, but it's, it's really comes down to a preference thing when um, you're looking at these running backs that are kind of at the precipice of their age peak and, and peak performance because someone may say hey i really trust um cook a lot more but if we look we've seen how much better henry scores on a consistent a consistent basis year to year he was what 24 and a half points per game last year and he was the rb 21 and only played what like 13 games or less maybe 11 games i can't remember he played like eight games yeah he
0: was literally half a season
1: so he finished as a top t- top 24 running back only playing half the year. And we know it, this this question comes up a lot. We know that we'd rather have the top performing running backs for even half the season because then we know the games that they're going to play because this question came up with like what we want for our upside because you can still play a different running back in the games that he doesn't play. So I, I think that it's a pretty good value if you're looking to compete right away. I'm a little bit iffy when it comes to older running backs just because... Um, I've done startups this year and I'm not as interested in the potential value fall off or the risk of falling short of winning a title in the first year when making these moves, unless you are really all in even like moving picks all in to really have enough depth as well as star power to almost guarantee competition being in that top three or top two in the league. So I I kind of avoid them, but I'm not avoiding them at, at value. I'm just kind of avoiding them where, the rest of my team build doesn't match up with an older running back.
0: Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. It's really tough for the guy like Derrick Henry, just given his age, the injuries coming off of, of taking the leap on him in the startup, because the rounds in which you're taking him that, that point in the draft, you really don't know what the build of your team is yet. You don't know if you're going to be, as you said, that team gunning for the title in year one and rostering like Derrick Henry, if you don't at least finish in the money, you know, get your money back depending on your league things, you know, first, second, third, it's probably not worth the investment. So it really is interesting. And I think the RB fifteen price tag is a little it's a little misleading because if you if your league is pre-existing, I don't think he's going at the same I don't think he's gonna go in the market for the same price as RB fifteen per se in the startup. Just because whoever has him, they either drafted him with the intention of competing right away or they're a team that just got you know decimated by injury and uh it's going to be a little harder to rip him off a team you know f- at that price like then in the startup so he's it, it does make sense for me the discrepancy between the two but you know if i'm a team who thinks i'm near there i'm not buying running backs at this point in the offseason anyway but we get closer to season or we're, we're early in the season and maybe the team that had him isn't doing too well if you can get him for you know excess wide receivers the fourth fifth wide receiver in your team or you know a flex type player and you add like a second or something if i can pick up derrick henry and keep my 23 first i'm i i am all about kind of picking them up depending on my you know my team build of course you know if i'm a trash roster i'm not picking up derrick henry but if i can compete you're talking about a first round pick you know so it's a first round pick for you know redraft senses just adding that to to your team can literally, it really can skyrocket you that much. You said he was averaging 24 points per game, but whatever before he got hurt. It really is, you know, game breaking type numbers.
1: I think you made two really good points. I like the idea of that you can, if, if you're able to trade a flex in like a second form, that's upgrading a lineup massively because a lot of flexes are replaceable because of lack of depth or even just lack of consistency in their week to week performance. So if you're changing that out from Uh, an eight to 14 point per game player versus someone that's going to give you 24 on average that's a huge jump so without giving up a first round pick as well as the startup versus um, an existing league you might be able to get more of a contender tax by moving henry versus just trading that 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 startup pick spot because fifth rounders obviously there's value there but not everyone's targeting the same player in the fifth round where if someone's coming at you for Henry, they are targeting that specific player.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's see, we'll, we'll move on here. We'll transition to, you know, maybe the Derrick Henry of wide receivers here. We've got, we've got Mike Evans, right? This is a player who has been in the league eight years. He's finished as a wide receiver one, four times a wide receiver two four times and his startup adp in dynasty is wide receiver 21 so barely a wide receiver two and his underdog adp is wide receiver eight so he is going considerably higher in redraft he will be turning 29 during the season this year um you know mike evans is a player i've done i've looked a lot into over the years he's a player that i'm always you know kind of picking up where i can He's just as consistent as you like. He can get you there whether it's through touchdowns, whether it's through ton of receptions. You know, he's he's so well rounded that he can get you there. You know, kind of, kind of multiple avenues. Um, you know, wide receiver twenty one that has gone up a little bit since we know Brady has come back. But early in the offseason, he was going sixth, seventh round in startups consistently and picking up, picking up a wide receiver who can give me multiple wide receiver two potentially another wide receiver one season. At that price is at least for me, really hard to pass on. So in the the couple of startups I had this offseason, I did pick up a couple more Mike Evans. I polled Twitter early in the offseason and asked how many wide receiver, two or better seasons will Mike Evans have left in his career? I said, you know, one to two, three or more, you know, four or more, zero. And 63% of the votes said that he was going to have, you know, three top 24 wide receivers left in his career, which – I don't understand how you can be drafting him as a you know high end wide receiver three or a low end wide receiver two if you believe he's going to give you three more years as a wide receiver one or a wide receiver two. Um, it's a lot there, but what, what are your thoughts on Mike Evans, Tim?
1: You said it perfectly with the last bit. Even if you think he's getting one to two wide receiver uh, top wide receiver years, um, that's worth it in that sixth seventh round or a little bit earlier. His lowest finish is wide receiver twenty two in his career. He's wide receiver twenty one ranked right now. That's insane. Like, it's value. I understand there were some scary parts where there there were games he wasn't earning as many targets. But if you look at the overall totality of the numbers, he's producing on a consistent basis, as consistent as we've ever seen in in fantasy football ever, just from year to year comparison. Maybe not the top, but we're looking at a very. um productive Do you know how many games? Receiver.
0: Do you know what his bust rate last year was as far as bust rate as in not finishing within the top 36 wide receivers? I do not know. You had to take a guess. It was 21%, which is is seventh in the NFL. That's super low. The NFL. Yeah. It's incredible. It doesn't get more consistent than that. And it really was not that far off from where, what he did even two years ago. So this is just, this is just the kind of player Mike Evans is. I feel like he has this reputation as a more uh, boom bust type wide receiver. And, Depends on your definition of boom bust because his floor is very safe.
1: And a lot of people are really, um, they're really confident in their boom bust wide receivers that are the speed wide receivers that are more likely to bust, where they're just like um, able to kind of stomach that risk. But why wouldn't you want to do it with a wide receiver that's way more consistent? But like something else I was, I was looking at when, you're, when we were doing this exercise is that I'm noticing there, obviously the 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 interest is to build through young wide receivers right now as we're kind of churning through this year twenty or twenty six year old uh, running back group. But there are a lot of wide receivers that kind of fall later that can easily make a lineup. Um, just kind of throwing some out there. I know that they're not exactly the same as to what we're we're talking about today as an exercise, but like Thielen, Lockett, Evans, all guys you can get much later that can be your wide receiver three, four, five, or two, three, four on a team. And you're probably not missing a step, which means you can probably take some risks on those older running backs to really build a a contender in the first year.
0: Yeah. No, Adam Thielen is, is a name that just gets thrown back in here. You know, we, 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 we were looking right before we got started, Adam Thielen's wide receiver 56 in dynasty startup prices, and he's wide receiver 37 in redraft. And, both might be too low. I do understand where a little bit of the uh reservations come from with Dillon in in dynasty just given his age um you know the competition he has there in Minnesota. But but Adam Thielen has been a top 12 wide receiver in points per game, taking out games where he left injured in you know the last like three seasons. You know, he even last year was wide receiver 11 in points per game, you know, and our adjusted points per game chart we have here where we we remove uh, snaps where they play less than 20% of the snaps. Wide receiver 11, but he missed your fantasy playoffs. It's like This is just what you get with Adam Thielen. When he's in my lineup and he's playing, I feel good about it because you're getting a guy at wide receiver 50, but he's, you know, he's giving you wide receiver one or two weeks every week, but then I really do worry about It's just It seems year over year with Adam Thielen where he misses really important stretches of the season.
1: And that's fair. But like, we could do the same exercise with Evans about how many good years we think he has left. And if it's one or two, true. he's definitely worth the price you have to pay to get him. Yeah.
0: I just saw Adam Thielen in a startup. I had my last startup of the offseason, or sorry, not start. I had my last rookie draft of the offseason uh, finish up yesterday, actually. And in the second round, the 211 was moved for Adam Thielen. And that's what you're talking about. And I think, you know, you mentioned, I think Tyro Lockett. He goes. Kind of the same price. Like if you're, especially on the clock in the, these drafts where people are looking at, you know, let's say a John Mechie falls or want their big Wandel guys, you know, they're going to be sitting there and they'll, they'll probably be eager to move a guy like Tyler Lockett or Adam Thielen for one of those players. So if you're a win now team, maybe a deeper league and you're just looking to shore up, you know, one of your third, fourth flex spots, and you can get Adam Thielen or Tyler Lockett for next to nothing. Um, you know I'm in on that you know your shower leagues I'm definitely a little more wary of of them just because I do think their best days are are behind them a a little more so than a guy like Mike Evans
1: yeah they might be more supplemental flexes to your lineup but they're to me they're pretty top tier when it comes to that that specific range of player to put on your on your roster yeah
0: all right we'll move on we'll bring up a player who is the other side of the spectrum to like a Derek Henry. we're going to go with Javante Williams this is a player who was, you know, highly anticipated going into last year. He was running back 17 as a rookie, which is good, not great. He looked good when he played, but his DLF startup ADP is running back five, and his underdog ADP is running back 14. So he's not being projected to be um, a staple in your team for redraft. But he in Dynasty is, you know, an elite asset, a top five running back, and that's fallen back a little bit actually, because at one point he was running back two in, in startup ADP. So, uh, Tim, I, I'm really curious what your thoughts on Javante Williams are. If you think 14 for redraft is way too low, or if you think RB five for dynasty is really expensive. And do you have, you had, do you have any shares of Javante Williams?
1: I do. I am a Javante fan. Uh, I, I, I liked him before he got drafted. I, I thought he had a very good mix of playstyles in his game. I saw a lot of LaShawn McCoy in between the tackles and then some Giovanni Bernard when receiving the ball. Now the thing is, we've seen him put up some uh, twenty-point games, so we are that it, it it proves the concept that it's possible for him to to perform at those levels. The issue is, on a consistent week-to-week basis, I'm not sure that's going to happen. Now, once again, this is his running back five position is more of an overreaction to the ages of the other running backs around him because he was. Running back 26 in points per game last year at just over eleven, so there were a lot of games in which he didn't get the full snap share or didn't get the valuable touches or just didn't have enough volume in the game to prove worthwhile of a start. So there's going to be some risk in this. Um, I think that I think he's going to take the line share of the of the carries, meaning like the lead back, but. Melvin Gordon's still going to be involved. Melvin Gordon still knows how to find the end zone. So there's a lot of opportunities for him not to reach his potential this year. And it might not be until a next year thing. So when you're getting to a a running back five scenario, it's most likely not going to hit the way that we're expecting or many are expecting to hit at that price. So if you're a contender, it might be time to move for two contributing players to um, a contending roster versus hoping one is.
0: Yeah, no, I'm, I, I I agree with you there. Um, you know, my problem with bringing Javante in and buying him at that price is, you know, if I'm spending a second round startup price for Javante Williams, I'm going to hope he is contributing to my lineup and giving me those huge weeks and being that, you know, a top five running back, I would like to think. And in all honesty, the situation he has himself in, you're probably not getting that this year. And if I'm a team that, you know, is then spending my second round starter pick on a player that I don't expect to put me over the top in year one, I'm probably not viewing my roster as overall competitive. And if I'm in that position, I, I kind of don't like holding on to running backs that are at almost near peak value. So it's, it's a really juxtaposition type situation to be in when, when you have Javante Williams, because on the one hand, I do really like him as a player. I really do like the team he's in. I like the spot he's in. I like what he can do. Really, I'm eyeing kind of that 2023 season once you know they figure out who they are this year and then they can roll into the second year with an extra leap. I'm, I am pretty excited for that. But for next year, it's really hard for me to justify the cost of Javante Williams knowing that I'm probably tossing a year. And if anything happens to Javante Williams, I lose so much value on my roster. So it's a situation where if I have him I'm not winning, I'm probably trying to trade him. And if I'm a good team, I'm probably not buying Javante Williams at cost. So he's a really tough player to kind of gauge what team he fits on and what price is appropriate. Um, you know, I picked up one share recently. I moved, I moved DJ Moore and Davis mills, I believe for Javante Williams. It was, it was something like that. Um, and it was a team where I added Brees hall to that team in the same offseason. So I completely flipped kind of my running back room and, um, it was right after I made those deals where I sat back and really looked into Javante Williams and had the thoughts I'm having now where I'm like, damn, I'd, I might rather have his value in picks or you know, wide receiver in a pick to Javante just on this build because you know, if anything happens to him, I'm going to lose so much value <laughs> where even though thinking I'm like 2023 with him and Brees could be, could be pretty sexy. So it, it is a position where if the right price comes around, I'm definitely going to be open to moving you know, Javante Williams, uh, you talked about Melvin Gordon, Melvin Gordon was still probably going to hold. Uh, where was he last year? He had, he had like 47% of the snap share in the, in that team last year. And um, Javante was less than that. It was like low forties. And mm-hmm. I, I expect that. I, probably I think just it was to, like 42. I expect that to probably just flip flop, but yeah. 47% of your team's rushing share is not, it's not that crazy. That's not elite. Like that, The running backs we're, we're talking about, you know, like you're even a David Montgomery level, you're talking 65% of the snaps to David Montgomery. I think this is what people want from Javante Williams. And if he's not going to be getting, you know, 60% of the snaps in this offense, I don't see how he puts up a top eight season. I think eight to his price in redraft 14 is like, okay. But I think eight to 16 is probably the range. He'll fall assuming he stays healthy and Melvin's there playing and everything. Um, You know, unless if you're projecting Denver to just leap from one of the worst offenses in the NFL to a top five offense, I just really don't see Javante being able to take that leap in his current situation. So I think that's where, you know, most of my my worries come from with Javante.
1: I had a conversation about uh, just the Broncos offense earlier in the offseason. And the main point that I brought up was a lot of these players that were because if if we just kind of look at what the players involved, less Wilson because he's not a a positional player in terms of what we're going to discuss. But like um, Melvin Gordon, Javante, Sutton, Judy, Albert O, all of these players that people are expecting to have some sort of fantasy relevancy on a week-to-week basis, it's going to come down to touchdowns. So it's possible that Javante does it on touchdowns, but that's not something you ever want to plan on. because. That's how you'll set yourself up for anticipating this x number of points, and you'll get half that. And just for an example, Melvin Gordon was uh, RB twenty-five in points per game, just ahead of Javante, by like half a point. So neither one of them were were top two running or top twenty-four running backs this year, or RB twos this year, even. So that's something to just con- kind of consider. So I think a lot of it to where someone is reaching even a, a remote peak is going to be the need to score touchdowns.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny off camera. I was having a little bit of a debate with, uh, with Wyatt, uh, the other day that centered kind of around this discussion we're having with Javante Williams, where I brought up Kenneth Walker. I brought up how, you know, there was this hype that built for Javante Williams and where he went, um, you know, trading up for him in the draft. Uh, it seems like a a player, the Broncos, you know, a good fit for the Broncos. And then he comes out and he's, you know, running back 17. And suddenly he was the running back two in startup ADP. It's like, he didn't even come out. And, and I mean, he looked good, but he didn't even come out and go crazy his his rookie year. And his value went through the roof. And I was kind of using that process to kind of justify where Kenneth Walker is going. Because we were saying how he's like, he's pushing towards, you know, fringe RB1 in startup prices. And I'm just sitting here thinking, I'm like, if he comes out, let's say he does split carries with Rashad Penny for the whole year. Let's say their offense is, you know, dog water, just like Denver's kind of was. If he catches like four passes and looks good on half his touches, he could come out, finish as the RB20. And just given what you were saying earlier, which I love that you brought up was that the age range of all these running backs, because people are kind of nervous about them tailing off an age and there isn't that next flux of talent, a young like we had in that what the 2017 class, whatever the class with McCaffrey, Aaron Jones, Kamara because we're still waiting for kind of that influx of new talent to come in and push all those guys out. Kenneth Walker come in, have a pretty average at best rookie season and shoot up draft boards next year. He could be, he could be a top you know five, six, seven running back in drafts come next year without even setting the earth on fire in his rookie season. So it's just, it's just a thought I had on, on Kenneth Walker and kind of justifying where his price is at um, in drafts currently.
1: 100% agree. And there's something that I'm noticing too is there used to be kind of more steadfast rules, not not rules, but like unwritten rules about how certain certain ways in which you play the game, even like trading future picks, you, you downgrade them around in terms of value, which really doesn't happen anymore unless we're talking like the 23 class and that's just an anomaly. That's not even something that you can really use as actionable information moving forward. But when it comes to... The fantasy community being agile, they are, but they're almost too agile in certain situations, such as when it comes to fading all these running backs, because you're saying, well, maybe um, Walker can be a, a low end one, but we're not, we're not, I, in my opinion, I'm not fading like the 12 guys after the top four running backs that are all 26 to 30, not being able to hit that, that number again, because I think they, that they will. Or, I think, I think it's possible that the, and likely that most of them will, I should say. Where then, even if Walker has a good season, he might hit RB17, kind of like Javante, which it still may do the same thing you're, you're saying. But there's so many people that aren't accounting for the fact that these running backs aren't dead. They're just older and they're not being replaced. So, um, that's something that we have to pay attention to, as well as like the way that this draft came out this year and how deep it was that like there were still players that people were interested in in the fourth and maybe fifth rounds or. or free agency immediately after the draft where there always will be free agents people are interested in. I think there's going to be too much of a lean towards later picks or trying to collect every pick in every round next year. Like, like um, as was possible this year because of the total number of players available that there's going to be way too much of a shift that way too. So I think there's going to be a couple over corrections that will be profitable for those that are able to anticipate and act accordingly and in the ti- the right and timely manner.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And, you know, and a note on those running backs for aging out, like we were talking with Derek Henry, you know, if the price is right and I like holding on to my 23 first, but if you can find a way to pick up, you know, Dalvin cook, Alvin Kamara without moving a first, you know, a flex in a second, something in a team that doesn't think that they're going to be competitive. I'm kind of all for it. Like early in the off season, I, I assumed I was going to do what I do every year. I'm like, I'm going to trade Dalvin cook and Alvin Kamara for a young running back in a first or a r- young running back in a first plus, like, Like you do every other year, it's always kind of goes. And, you know, the communities become a lot more savvy, a lot more privy. That's what everyone wants to do. No one's going to give that to you. And it's almost gone so far in that direction of people already being keen on the 23 class where those players are just kind of a screaming value. You can just pick them up for, you know, the prices we're saying, a flex in a second, almost routinely, uh, you know, depending on your league and what those players offer to your lineup, you know, week to week is – you know, a, worth a lot more than that price tag.
1: I think there's a line of demarcation when it comes to running backs. And to me, it's the capability of someone to put up 20 or more points. And I think it's a lot more limited of a pool than we want to admit. And what, when is, what ends up happening is that there is that group that is of the older sense where there's a much higher percentage of those guys that are capable of doing that than almost any of the running backs coming in. And so if, like you said, if you're able to get them for less than a first or even just less than market, and you're not giving up players that are actually impacting your lineup. Like for example, you know, Javante put up less than 12 to me, that almost, that reminds me of like a Damian Harris season where you're hoping for 60, 60 yards or three receptions for 30 yards and a touchdown or whatever, to get to around 12 points, which is totally replaceable in a lot of situations. And that's why you want to go for the guys or make deals to go for the guys that can give you that 20 point threshold, because there's not that many that can do it.
0: No, hundred percent. All right. So we're, we'll, I'll try to fit in one more question here before we go off. Um, I just want to know your quick thoughts on, you know, Keenan Allen versus Mike Williams. And, you know, in, it's, it's, it's an interesting study looking at their dynasty ADP versus the reason because in dynasty Keenan Allen's, Wide receiver twenty-eight, Mike Williams is wide receiver thirty-eight, but then in redraft on Underdog, Keenan Allen is wide receiver twelve, and Mike Williams is wide receiver thirteen. So that th- this jump is very interesting to me because we're not talking about two young players, um, but they're not they're not aged either. Mike Williams is what twenty-seven. Keenan Allen's mm-hmm. just turning thirty. Um, so. I'm just wondering what your thoughts on those two. Maybe if you have a preference on one player or the other, maybe format dependent, just just a little bit of a quick hitter here before we go out.
1: I pretty much always will will prefer Keenan Allen because I just like the way that he plays and the way he he amasses his points. But Mike Williams definitely has a higher ceiling most weeks. And if you're looking at a guy that's a wide receiver 38, and he was just what? uh, I'm trying to think. He was like wide receiver 9 in standard, and I think like wow, what, something like that in total. We had
0: him as wide receiver 18 in points per game.
1: So, uh, yeah, so you're looking at a 20 spot increase. So, I think a lot of it comes down to is what is your perceived expectation of his performance next year? I think it only, I don't want to say it only gets better, but it only gets better with Herbert, where you can have more faith that the week to week could be more consistent, but are the ceilings the same? But I don't think either one of them is a bad move. I think it really just depends on what the opportunity cost is to acquire as well as the players or capital you're giving up. Because if you're giving up a player that kind of does the same thing as well as more capital, I'm going to lean towards keeping the extra capital because then I could supplement my lineup with another player to use that capital on someone else, like a Thielen. But if I'm looking at it just in a vacuum, I never have an issue having Mike Williams on my roster. I don't like his inconsistency but I do recognize the ceiling.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I mean, the, those price tags, I'm, I'm definitely interested. It, it is tougher in the redraft with their, that's a very high, why receiver, you see 12 and 13 price? tags. Very high. Um, if any of those fell back closer to 20, I'd be interested in in either one of them, but for dynasty, I'm, I'm kind of in on both of their prices, like Keating Allen, that's it's five or six spots lower than I probably have them. Mike Williams is, 38 is very appropriate like i have him ranked way lower than where he'll probably finish but that's just on the back of his his extensive injury history but he really when he's out there he's a player who can get it kind of like we said with mike evans where he can get it in different ways he can he can go there and you know catch 100 balls but he can go out there and catch 50 balls but somehow end up with 10 touchdowns like he's he's the type of player who can do it multiple different ways um and he'll probably outperform that adp for sure um it's kind of so the same with like
1: taking riskier players or players that are more uh take the top off the defense or you know inconsistent week to week is that you kind of just have to embrace that variance and, and embrace some of the risk tolerance that you need as someone that's just going to go and trying to compete versus you're building a consistent lineup that might not ever have any sort of ceiling to beat other teams
0: yeah and it's interesting because i think it in existing leagues I don't know if their trade value is that is 10 spots wide receiver different. I think if you were trying to use Mike Williams in trade bait, he'd probably be viewed at very similar to Keenan Allen. If not in some situations, he might be viewed even more because he's he is a couple of years younger. So it is interesting. I love Keenan Allen. I love my team. From a win now team, and I can get Keenan Allen for you know, a reasonable price that being less than a first as well. He's the type of player that I do enjoy having. But if you could bypass where you're taking him in your draft, take Mike Williams, 10 wide receiver spots later, cut the difference and turn that into Adam Thielen. And now I've got Adam Thielen and Mike Williams in my lineup versus having Keenan Allen. I'm all about approaching it that way instead. So I think that's probably going to about wrap it up. <laughs> we went a little longer than normal, uh, but this, this was kind of last minute. I really appreciate appreciate you coming on to him. Uh, this is your opportunity. If you'd like to plug anything or just let us know what's going on in your life or uh
1: well, I'm, I'm now with the JWB boys, so um, I'm going to have to plug plug the boys and uh, just kind of push that we are going to have a lot of content coming out this year. And it's going to be varied, and it's going to have a lot of different information for each, uh, each aspect of fantasy football. And then that way, anyone that has a need or has a question will probably get answered at some point.
0: Yeah, no, I'm excited. We're going to have content coming out every single day between all the different formats for fantasy football once the season gets rolling so I'm pretty excited um if you had do have those questions please you're going to see in the bio you're going to see the discord link we're getting that going it's been moving we're trying to make sure there's discussions going on every single day so if you jump in you have questions trust me they'll get answered they'll get answered almost immediately it it really is a good space to come in and ask for redraft doesn't matter how early it is or dynasty you can find all of our stuff on our website or Twitter's at jwb underscore ff I am the FF Buffalo on Twitter. And Tim is nubs N N You'll see it on the screen. So if you could uh, go on, check out all our stuff. This is the guy I follow. Check out everyone else on the team, you know, subscribe, like we're just under 300 subscribers. So really appreciate everyone who's been here and, uh, you know, share with your friends and your leagues. Let us know what we can do better. Take it easy.